This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We've got a newscast coming up for you in just a second. A quick correction from yesterday's show when we were shitting all over the Washington Nationals for going to the White House. In particular, Ryan Zimmerman for his little screed about Trump keeping America safe or some bullshit. Um, We weren't sure who had attended the White House and who didn't. And we just assumed that everybody went except for Sean Doolittle. And it turns out a few other Nats actually skipped the White House visit. Uh, It was also Anthony Rendon, Javi Guerrera, Joe Ross, Wander Suero, Wilmer Difo, Michael A. Taylor, and Victor Robles. So good on them for skipping the White House as well. Hey, Uh, Anthony Rendon, star player there. Yeah. Nice to see. I would wish Juan Soto's name would have been on there, but alas. Ditto Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer. Yeah. Didn't didn't they both speak? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I if didn't they, watch much of the ceremony. Yeah, I don't know if they said anything as stupid as Ryan Zimmerman. That was <laughs> that was really stupid. He's your quintessential dumb athlete guy. But we already <laughs> talked about that yesterday. No need to uh, beat the dead horse there. Yeah. Hey, a reminder for our listeners: we had brought this up, I think, on last week's show, but. Listener Turd Snadwich, patron, listener of the show, friend of the show, Turd Snadwich has organized an event for Michaela Wilkes, who is primarying Steny Hoyer in Maryland's 5th Congressional District. She's, of course, running to the left of Steny Hoyer, supporting things like Medicare for All. And uh, this fundraiser that Turd Snadwich has organized is coming up this weekend, Sunday, November 10th. 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here in Washington, D.C., address 3109 17th Street, Northeast. Um, You can make a donation. Uh, They're asking for anywhere, whatever you can spare. I mean, if you can't afford anything, that's fine. But $0 to $500, make a donation, show up at the event. We'll include the donation link in today's show notes. Uh, It's secure.actblue.com slash donate slash Michaela fundraiser plus some other characters. So I'll just, we'll post the link on the show notes. Uh, go out there, support Michaela. She's a good candidate. Maybe uh, maybe you'll see the two Sams out there as well. It's Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. Here's the news. The Senate Energy Committee held a confirmation hearing today. One of the nominees, Catherine McGregor, is up for a promotion at the Department of the Interior. President Trump picked her to be deputy secretary, the agency's number two in charge. The Center for Investigative News shed some light yesterday on McGregor's tenure so far at Interior. As a staffer to former Secretary Ryan Zinke and current Secretary David Bernhardt, she's been very friendly to industry. McGregor has built relationships with lobbyists as a longtime former Republican staffer on the Hill, and those lobbyists are now cashing in. One oil lobbyist was recorded joking in mid-2017 that his group had adopted a new problem-solving motto, quote, we'll call Kate, referring to McGregor. The investigation noted how a few months beforehand, McGregor helped rush through the permit process for an oil company called Climarex. 
not at all <laughs> ominous, Climerex, the firm had previously seen its drilling application rejected, which brings us back to today's hearing. Hawaii Democrat Maisie Hirono brought up the report, which can be read at revealnews.org. Hirono then asked McGregor if she has personally been involved in the undermining of scientific research or communications at Interior. Here is her answer. I have not. In fact, in my time at Interior, the secretary has appointed a counselor, a senior advisor, a senior science advisor in the secretary's hallway. And we have noticed that scientific integrity complaints have gone down under our administration. Um, that, that's good to hear, although um, <laughs> I'm not so sure that uh, this administration is committed to science over uh, political considerations. Notice Hirono laughing there, maybe because McGregor basically said, complaints to the boss are down, therefore we're doing well. <laughs> Perhaps another reason, Hirono chuckled, later in the hearing, one of her Democratic colleagues would bring up an example of interior undermining scientific research. Here's Washington's Maria Cantwell asking about plans to allow oil and gas drilling in the Arctic. Do you know anything about the objections to Arctic drilling by fish and wildlife scientists? Our role in um, creating a leasing program for the coastal plain is directed by law, and we are doing our level best to implement that law. So are you saying you don't know anything about what fish and wildlife scientists are saying? I know that the Bureau of Land Management and the Fish and Wildlife Service are working closely to ensure a um, and have recently published uh, an environmental impact statement on that particular program. Will Arctic drilling harm or kill endangered polar bears? Um, that uh, biological opinion is not yet final, and we're waiting to review that. So you dispute what scientists are saying in that regard? I believe that ultimately the law speaks to our conduct in the coastal plain. It has directed us to conduct an oil and uh, gas program. You'll notice McGregor didn't answer the question there at the end about research and polar bears. So just minutes after Hirono asked if she had personally undermined scientific communications, McGregor does just that. <laughs> Chef kiss, baby. Just beautiful. Of course, Interior has also been accused of undermining scientific integrity when approving of Trump's border wall plans. To read more about that and the integrity of government scientific research in general, check out a report put out two weeks ago by the Brennan Center. The Federal Trade Commission announced a settlement against AT&T to the tune of $60 million. The enforcement action comes after the FTC learned that the wireless provider lied to customers, promising them unlimited data and then throttling down their data speeds if customers reached a certain amount of data in their monthly billing cycle. So basically, AT&T promised an unlimited data plan. People bought it. But once they used as little as two gigs of data in their month, their internet speeds would be cut by AT&T to the point that they were almost unusable. According to the complaint, which was originally filed in 2014, AT&T began its throttling practices back in 2011, and it affected more than three and a half million customers. The reason why this settlement has taken so long is that AT&T initially claimed that the FTC didn't have the authority to take action. The case went to the courts, which finally ruled last year that the FTC does indeed have the authority. The settlement was approved by the commission in a four to zero to one vote with one of the commissioners recusing. 
Under the settlement, AT&T is prohibited from making any representations about the speeds or unlimited nature of its data plans without revealing to customers any sort of restrictions that apply. The settlement explicitly states that such restrictions must be displayed clearly, as in not in fine print on contracts. The $60 million that AT&T is forced to cough up will be used to give former and current AT&T customers who had signed up for unlimited data plans partial refunds. In not unrelated news, the Trump administration appears to not really give a shit about price fixing. When companies get together and conspire to keep prices high, a Financial Times analysis published today found criminal antitrust cases and penalties are up this year, but only slightly, and moreover, they're way lower than what they were under previous administrations. FT says the decline corresponds with a decline in staffing levels at the Justice Department Antitrust Division, that Grover Norquist drowned government in a bathtub shit. Also, there was a hiring freeze at DOJ, which has since been lifted. Either way, the number of criminal antitrust cases are now what they were in the late 1970s when there were like 100 million fewer people in the United States. Many liberals argue that a more rigorous approach to antitrust will save capitalism. That's definitely not the case, which we can get into in a, on another show, another time perhaps. But price fixing sucks ass nevertheless. You may recall in mid-2015, there were questions about airline companies engaging in price fixing after oil prices fell but ticket prices didn't. Four companies control almost all of the U.S. domestic airline market, United, Delta, Southwest, and American Airlines. President Obama brought no case against them. And maybe to uh, the previous point about why antitrust enforcement won't actually save capitalism, it's entirely possible that just by the way that the airline market is uh, exists in the U.S. with four companies dominating it, that just because oil prices go down, that doesn't mean ticket prices are going to come down because you get into this game of chicken and the companies try to see how long they can go without anyone lowering the price. And as long as they can do that without even saying anything, without even making this explicit conspiracy, just through the market structure... Uh, they can still fucking extort us all. So that <laughs> that's great. I mean, I would have thought that businesses, when they save costs, they just pass those savings <laughs> on to customers or they pay their workers more. You're telling me that doesn't happen? Incredible. <laughs> Finally today, in campaign trail news that absolutely no one should care about, an aide for Democratic presidential candidate Tom Steyer, yes, the rich guy who is running for president, yes, he's still... In the race, yes, he is still wasting enormous amounts of money on his vanity campaign. That Tom Steyer, one of his aides, just resigned after it was revealed that they improperly accessed and downloaded volunteer information belonging to the Kamala Harris campaign. Yes, that Kamala Harris campaign, which has squandered lots of donation money and is now running in a strong fifth or sixth place. Uh, Dwayne Sims, who is Steyer's deputy South Carolina state director, was forced out after admitting to the breach. The campaign said the data became available to them after the South Carolina Democratic Party reset the Steyer campaign's access to party databases. The Harris campaign uh, is flailing. As I said, it's in fifth place in the polls. In the Palmetto State, though, it is running in a distant fourth place. 
The Steyer campaign is just as much in the wilderness, though it is having one of its best showings in South Carolina, polling just behind Harris in fifth place. You know, just when you thought a political dust-up couldn't get any more insignificant when Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton were taking shots at each other, now we have Tom Steyer and Kamala Harris at each other. Naturally, the Harris campaign, which is cash-strapped and downsizing its operations, is trying to raise money off of this ordeal. They sent around a fundraising email. I received this email. It said, quote, We got some outrageous news last night. A staffer for Tom Steyer, a billionaire who has already spent tens of millions of dollars of his own money to boost his candidacy, stole our campaign's data in South Carolina. The email goes on to say, quote, Our organizers have spent months building one of the strongest operations in the state. Again, they're in fourth place. So we were outraged to learn Steyer's team had taken volunteer contacts, some of our campaign's most valuable data, directly from the voter file. Look, neither of these two dopes are going to win South Carolina or any state for that matter. But hey, it's a slow news day today. So here I am talking about it. All right. We can end the newscast on that note. Hey, we've got a Patreon. I'm sure most of you already know that. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. You can help Support our little news co-op here in D.C. Help ensure that we can keep bringing you these newscasts daily by becoming a subscriber. Five bucks a month. That's all it takes. You get access to all the bonus content we put out. You also get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. We're going to read a poem here in just a second. Again, that's $5 a month. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. If you don't have $5 a month, consider contributing whatever you can spare a month. And if you can't spare any then message us and we'll put you on uh, the free list so you can still get some content. All right, let's read a poem for one of our new subscribers. This goes out to Eric. Go back in time to domesticate bears so that we have small bear pets. Thank you, Eric. Yes, thank you, Eric. I love dogs. I do. I love dogs. But it'd be nice to have little bear pets as well. Yeah, yeah, it would. I would like uh, people to give a shot at domesticating foxes over the course of a thousand years. I think it might be might be a little too late. Is it? What is a fox? I should probably know this, but like, is a fox closer to a wolf or like a cat? I think the fox is almost the perfect cat dog hybrid. <laughs> Who knows? If anybody knows what a fox is, call the rant line 202-684-6108. We'll leave a, me- leave a message. We'll play it on air. This is not an invitation to make stupid jokes about that god-awful what does the fox say song. <laughs> not at all. We will not play that message no, on the air. We will not. All right. Ending the show right now. Thank you for listening. Again, subscribe. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.